0: Uh, Lord, thank you for just uh, how good you are to us. Thank you that you love us so well. Thank you that um, your spirit resides with us. So as we study your word and and those things come up that are challenging, Lord, uh, we can rest in the fact that you are teaching us and help us to trust that you are teaching us and and, uh, those things that uh, are difficult, we would leave them in your hands and trust you for them. And so, Lord, we thank you again for uh, your grace. Thank you for everyone here, Lord, and the discussions that we get to have. So may you be glorified in our conversations today and in our study, and may we grow in you together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to tackle marriage some more. We kind of skimmed the surface last week a little bit. And and something that that I want to clarify is that marriage is not man's idea. And I think that that's something we need to understand that that marriage has been God's idea from the beginning. That a man and and a woman should join together, and the man should should leave, uh, cleave to his wife. So he's you know that's his his new state. And so whether or not um, people recognize marriage as sacred or not does not change the fact that God views marriage as extremely valuable and important. And I would think that some of the challenge that we have in society. Is that marriage has been devalued um, and it has been um, a a an option to stay committed to people um, and now we 're not going to argue the fact that there have been some horrible marriages and a lot of mismanagement of marriage shall we say and i think people go into the marriage not really seeing it as a lifelong commitment they see it as this is convenient for now but if things don't go my way i'm out and that's because again they don't hold it as a couple in high esteem and see it as something that god has gifted to us as 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 a valuable um, institution you had your hand up
1: okay when did it become between um, just a man and a woman? Because there from the happened?
0: beginning when he created man and woman.
1: But in the Old Testament you had multiple wives.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. I got... And <sighs>
1: concubines and all this kind of so When did that understand. say it was no longer good?
0: Um, well, I would say from the beginning that it was always a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. The, what they did was not necessarily God's plan. So you know what man does is not necessarily always in line with God. See, so was it um, in
2: chapter three of Genesis that sin came to the world? Yeah, Somewhere mm-hmm. in yeah, there. yeah.
0: Somewhere in there, chapter three. Yep, <laughs> the infamous chapter three. And so, um, again, so sometimes people. So here's some of the challenge too with that is culturally. Um, they, they, uh, the the culture in the Jewish, and it even doesn't have to be just Jewish culture. If a brother had a, um, a brother died, then that responsibility felt on the other fell on the other brother to take care of that of that spouse. So sometimes when we see concubines or something or, or other wives, um, not all the time. I'll clarify this. One, not all the time was it this idea of a sexual relationship. Um, so sometimes it's just, it's my responsibility to take care of you. So you're going to be considered my wife. You have the protection as my wife. Doesn't mean we're doing anything now. We'll talk about Solomon. That, that guy had, he experienced everything. A thousand women, at least. So, um, <laughs> that's so Well, and so, and that's, and that's the point of Ecclesiastes. And that's really the point of Ecclesiastes is I've tried everything in the world and this world will not satisfy. Uh, I mean, that's really, everything's vanity on this side of heaven, is really what he's saying. And so you can read it and go, man, this poor guy. But, you know, he had it all, and he tried it all, and he realized everything left him wanting. And so when we come back to marriage, um, God's initial plan, uh, and still is his plan, is a man and a woman together. Now, again, sin entered the world, and then you hear things like, um, well, the nations will be blessed for you, and you'll have, and so man might take that upon his own. Look at Look at the promise between um, Abraham, not Abraham, but um, no, it was Abraham and Sarah. The promise was to come through them. Well, they got impatient. And so she said, here's my maidservant, Haggai, so at least we can have an offspring. That wasn't God's plan. And we see that the nation of Islam was born out of that. And what the prophecy was, you'll be, a, you'll be a wild donkey of a man and you'll be at aught against your brothers all your days. Well, we see that still fulfilled today. That the Muslim nations, and they trace themselves back to Abraham, right? but through Haggai. Whereas Christians and Jews trace themselves back to Abraham, but through the promise fulfillment of Isaac. Um, and, so, and so that's where we see these two nations kind of divide. And so again, God's plan has always been one man, one woman. Um, And I guess we have to clarify one biological man, one biological woman (laughs) now. I mean, you know, it's just um, (laughs) Well, it's interesting. So when I was in New Mexico, we changed our statement of beliefs um, uh, to say one biological male, one biological female from birth to be the definition of marriage for the, the church that I was in. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So you had to add
3: the word biological mm-hmm. rather than, but already
4: one man, one woman.
0: Biological from birth. Oh. Yeah, so, Jean.
4: Um, and this is rabbit hole. I understand. In the early part of the New Testament, God instructed his people, can't remember which group, but it was like, go into that country and basically wipe it out. Okay. And of course man did. Like one of those con- one of those groups of people, country as I recall, were Moabs.
5: Mm-hmm. The
4: Moabites. He said, wipe them out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think I know my answer to this. So fast forward, and we have Ruth, who is a Moabite, Mm -hmm. who ends up being the great-great-grandmother of David, Mm -hmm. and through that same line brings us Jesus. Mm -hmm. It is, that obviously wasn't in the initial plan of God. Is that God just taking a situation which man has screwed up and not done things his way? and turning
0: it to his glory. Yeah, I think that's probably the best example is that he's not dependent upon us to complete his will. And and for mankind, I mean, obviously, he wants people to be saved. And um, so Romans eight twenty eight. God works all things together for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Right. So we look at that and we go, he works everything out now. We, we cause, I mean, look, so if you even consider the exodus from Egypt. If they were to walk straight, 40 days. If they were to walk straight, 40 days. But how many years did they wander in the wilderness? 40 years. Because they didn't really pay close attention. They griped and complained. And, but God still got them there, right? <laughs> he still got them there. They still entered the promised
2: land. See. I was going to say, I like what you said uh, last Last week over there, and I thought it was pretty uh, significant in all the, all the aspects of whether you're talking about marriage or relationship with Christ or whatever it is that his standard is here. He declares the standard, he tells you what it is, and then we spend all of our time in our humanity uh, downplaying it, devaluing it, messing with it, and we, we uh, reevaluate it and make special exceptions and we cheat and lie and, and we want to be the, the special. Uh, I don't know about youth people, but I know I've I violated uh, several things trying to evaluate certain. Well, that's really not this or that or the other. And so, you know, I like what you were talking about. The standards here. Yeah, and I think I
0: think that was a conversation just between you and I. So I'll I'll. I'll, Oh, I didn't know. I thought you said that. No, it was like Monday, but um, but I know I I know when you you know. You get a certain us. age, you start, yeah, no, just kidding. Yeah.
5: <laughs>
0: but uh, I can only, only him, I'm not talking about the rest of you. No. <laughs> so God has a standard of marriage, I mean, God has a standard of holy living, God has a standard of how, you know, and the reality is, no matter how great the marriage is, no matter how good the people are, they will never completely match the standard that God has for that. Um, And again, we're going to, and it's a great segue to dive into why marriage is so important and how God uses marriage to show us um, a relationship between us and him. Uh, And we see that even through the Old Testament with Hosea. uh, uh, If you ever get really bored and you want something weird to read, read Hosea, where God says, go find a prostitute and marry her. And then she leaves him, and her name's Gomer, so but anyway, but he leave, she, leave, she leaves him, she leaves him, and then, and then God says, yeah, go buy her back, and so he goes and does that, but it's a great picture of God's, you know, wanting us to be in covenant with him through something as, like, a, like a marriage covenant, and that's the whole point, point is. and then he goes and redeems you even after you've left him, so that's a beautiful picture, but it's, I just, I just figure least you're not Isaiah who had to lay for three years naked on his left side. So, okay. Um, But doesn't Paul say something to the
1: attempt that you should remain single?
0: um, He he explains um, that there are some people who don't have the desire to be married, and if you don't have that desire, don't force it. Stay single and put your attention all into serving the Lord. Because his point is, when you are married, your focus can't be solely on God. You're going to be distracted to some degree. Not that it's a bad distraction. Uh, because even in marriage, we see that there's ways that we can relate to our spouses that is actually serving God. But, I mean, the reality is I'm not going to go take off for two weeks to go do some mission trip um, very often because um, I've got my wife to consider. If we had kids, you know, I can't just go be, do whatever I want. Where if you're single... His point was, you're single, you can do a whole lot more. But he understands that singleness is not for everyone. So then he goes into that. Um, Speaking of Paul, Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 33. Lake's there, so I'm going to ask Lake to read since you're, you're next to me. You get picked on. Chance here. Oh you're getting people a chance to get yeah, there. You know. Connie's been there and, <laughs> yeah. and so is all these technologically savvy corner over
5: here, are they? Twenty two through thirty 33. Yep. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its savior. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. All right.
0: So how does this passage express the importance of marriage?
4: church,
3: mm-hmm. to marriage. Mm-hmm. He gave himself over completely.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: So we are to give ourselves over completely to our marriages.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah?
2: It sounds like to me that it, uh, it's not going to happen very well unless the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, husband or wives, respect your husband as unto the Lord, and husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. It sounds like to me those are big big obligations mm-hmm. that if it, they're not powered by the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, you earn some mm-hmm. deep kimchi really quick. Because,
0: um, yeah, and, and, and I, I... Go ahead, Connie.
2: Kimchi, huh? Deep kimchi. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> some, I, I, I see some <laughs> spiritual conflict <laughs> happening here pretty quick if, if you're not a <laughs> work. And <laughs> Connie? I think there's something
1: that says that you're supposed to love God first. Mm-hmm. And then... Mm-hmm you know, you yeah. love your family.
0: I mean, well, so what the greatest commandment right. is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you do number one, love the Lord your God. So how do I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength in a marriage situation, right? So as a husband, uh, and we always, we always, I don't want to include it, but it's the tendency to, to get caught up in the couple verses to the wife. Now, if you go a couple of previous verses before, Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence to the Lord. And then it goes on to the relationship. And I often tell people when when Laura and I have done marriage counseling with people is I've never seen a woman feel like she's submitting if the husband is giving herself himself up for her as Christ did the church. Then it's just like, a, a, there's a symbiotic relationship that just, of course I'll do this. And again, um, the, the challenge we have is that, that we're selfish people. Um, and, and so many people have abused this scripture. And still to this day, I've heard guys say, well, she's supposed to submit to me. I'm like, yeah, but you can't be a, a jerk. And expect her to submit to you. I mean, there's a problem here. And because to me, the pressure is really on the man. And and again, when we look at this with the relationship to the church, the church is the bride that, that would make Jesus the bridegroom. And Jesus has done everything for the church. So that the church might be presented to God holy and blameless because of the washing of the word and, and he 's done all that work, and so a man's responsibility um, is to to sacrifice for his bride and then and if you two of you are trying to outdo each other in service, you 're going to be pretty happy um, is what i 've discovered, but the challenge that we have here is to me. What, this is probably, marriage is probably the best example which I think is why it's under such attack of how Christ relates to his church and, and so again what it said, submitting to the you know, submit uh, like the church does to Christ, I'm like yeah we don't do very good at submitting to Christ do we? Um, and so we see that struggle that's there even though he's perfect we still find that rebelliousness within us. Are you want to say something Gene? Well I had oh
4: yeah, no You might understand these words, but respect, consideration, mm-hmm. and the, I can't remember the other one, but it's like when you go into a relationship, these things are paramount that you respect. Mm-hmm. You can disagree with somebody, but you can still respect that mm-hmm. person. Is it honor? Well, that wasn't so. Well, sacrifice Trust. but it was more in the, in the area let's just of keep throwing respect. words out <laughs> <laughs> and honoring really honor honor. Yeah. and, and yeah. Out. giving value to that Legitimate. other person
0: yeah. which are all things that Christ did for us well and I love what Paul says in this because he really calls out what, what men really want that's the last verse and wives respect your husbands I mean that's really <laughs> when it boils down to it um. Not all the time, but majority of the time, when there's when when the fr- husband is frustrated, it's because he feels disrespected, and it could be the smallest thing, the smallest thing, you know you your, your, your vacuum lines aren't lined up the way I like them, you know, well, but I'm helping you, you know, we haven't had that conversation because I'm more of the vacuum line person than she is. So, uh, you know, but, 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 you know, just something like that is an easy thing to pick on. Something like that, right. Could make you hear a husband's trying to help out, you know, doing stuff and it gets, you you know, that's not right. Uh, I'll tell this story when we were first married, And of course, I didn't feel disrespected. It was great. (laughs) But I was folding. I was thinking, I'm going to be a good husband. We were married for like four days or whatever. And I'm going to start folding clothes. And I'm folding towels. And Laura says to me, what are you doing? Set I'm folding towels. She goes, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I'm folding towels. She goes, well, you're not doing them right. Mike, well, how about you just fold towels from now on? She goes, okay. I'm like, yes! I don't have to fold towels anymore! Uh, and then finally, after like seven or eight years when we had kids and I, I realized it was a chore, I'm like, hey, teach me how to fold towels. I still can't do them as well. I can't make the bed as well as she does. I just can't. But, but uh, you know, but 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 I didn't feel disrespected in that. Um, but it's something as simple as that though that can... Make a husband go, well, so all my efforts are, are dumb, you know? And again, think about, just think about this for a moment. Look at our society, and the days of happy days are gone. And you came in with married with children, and to where Al Bundy was the butt of every single joke. And we have seen the, the, um, the neutering of masculinity in an unhealthy way over the last 30 years, probably 40 now, to where you can't really be a man without people thinking that you're a chauvinist pig. You can't be like a strong man. Um, and I'm not saying that we have to be jerks, but it's like stand up, be a man. But it, that's not looked at favorably anymore because everyone thinks men are stupid.
3: Well, they say stand up, be a man, but they don't really want you to stand up and be right. a man. Right. And, the, and to go along with what you're saying... I, there aren't any current commercials I've seen on TV, but within the last two or three years and and preceding that, commercials where women are hitting their husbands, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, I should have had a V8. she smacks him in the hand. If there was a commercial hmm. of a man smacking his wife, even hitting her on the arm, oh. there <laughs> would be. Oh, Well, yeah, the whole world would come to us screeching.
0: Someone's getting fired for letting that air. No. (laughs) (laughs) no, We we
3: We see that. And it is so, I mean, it just smacks of everything we've talked about in the disrespect, um, devaluing, all of those things.
0: Now, to clarify, we're not advocating for any hitting at all. You know? (laughs) Just want to make sure. No, I know we're not.
3: Sometimes, well, Mike has a friend that has breakfast with him, and you don't want to sit by him because I'm just for okay because he's always doing this. Yeah, you know? yeah. And and Mike said I just learned to drink coffee.
0: Oh, he's looking the other way. No. <laughs> and, and, you know, but
3: some people just sort of have that. That's just you know,
0: that's a love tap sort of that. thing. It's yeah. Well, he's about bind. this
2: tall. he <laughs> thinks the
3: only
2: way to get your attention is.
0: Sure, that makes sense.
3: Well, yeah, we ran into him in Fred Meyer parking one parking lot one day, and he was standing by me, and he just kept that. <laughs> <my laughs> <laughs> so, how how does
0: your arm feel? <laughs> 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 She's like, I understand, yeah. Oh, yeah.
6: I think too. One of the things that um, is hard, especially in our day, is that there's such a push of independence. And when we, when, I mean, even from a child, we, I think we, without even recognizing it, we're always pushing them to be independent and to do things on their own. Mm -hmm. And so that autonomy, right? We're just, we're, we're, we're raised to be autonomous and independent. And so I think marriage flies in the face of that, as you were saying earlier, that selfishness. Um, whereas Christ is always from the very beginning of time, from the very beginning of the word of God has always been about unity and union, union with him and union with one another. Um, the 10 commandments, those first five are all about our relationship to God. And then those last five are all about our relationship with one another and how that, I mean, that's a perfect picture of the cross. And so we look at this, And we think that is, I think, the biggest thing is how do we, how do we become one in Christ, trusting that God is still going to keep us in that place of uniqueness in our creation, you know? Um, And it is, it is, it's work. Steve?
2: I was going to say, one of the things that you were talking about, the stumbling block of of the... uh, dismembering of, of male masculinity is the crippling of the kids when they see the disunity of there's no leadership. You don't have heroes. You don't have examples. You don't have uh, looking up to your dad. You don't have, uh, I don't have to pay attention to my dad, uh, single parent uh, uh, families and homes. Mm-hmm. And then what you have is a society that is totally uh, destroyed of any uh, authority, any uh, obedience, any uh, regularity—it's it, a—and uh, I was just uh, telling the pastor a while back. That I was watching a YouTube thing, and he says that the destruction of our society or the attack on the youth has been a direct result of the of marriages falling apart. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no example of what Christ—you know, husbands yeah. love your wife as Christ love the church, giving his self life for it. It seems to me that that someone has to be the adult responsible and the initiator. Uh, yeah. When it comes to sacrifice, the woman is there to respect her husband, but the man should be there as the not always, but should be there to be the, the adult in the room, hopefully.
0: Well, we need we're not going to get into what how we define adult anymore. But anyway, um, but but I think that what we're all hitting on is why this passage about marriage and why marriage is so important is because it is the foundation. Uh, not only a good society, but 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 a but a healthy believing church of faith that shows the glories of God. I mean, one thing that 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 when people find out some of us how long we've been married. Um, so, like for Laura and I, we got married at nineteen, and we're still married. And some people are like, like, how did that happen? And they're like, well, God is good. I mean, that's the reality of it. But I don't think either of us went into marriage thinking that we had that we because of our examples that we had the option of 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 getting out of it. We just knew it was you know gonna it was going to be work and um and so I think too the challenge we have is to your point Laura is people you can't remain autonomous completely when you're in a marriage. In fact, the thing that you have to do it's Brandon. Hey. <laughs> the thing that you have to do is you realize and I don't know how many of you guys realize this but I remember waking up one day, after being married for a couple of weeks, and thinking, "I can't make a decision anymore without considering this person I'm married to. I, I just can't." Um, and every and no matter what decision I make, good or bad, it's going to impact her. Um, and and that sometimes is more work than people want to do. I mean, I've I've met with guys who just want to keep doing their stuff. After they're married. it's like, I want, to, I want to go hang out with the guys three nights a week. And I want to go do this. But you can't. You're married now. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, I used to date her on Tuesday nights because I didn't have anything else going. I just want to keep doing it. No, that's not how this works. <laughs> um, it, you know, and so again. My I, I mean, you know, so uh, not to pick on Laura, but um, what, what, you know, she, grew up, she grew up watching football all the time. She's not a huge football fan. And so when we got married, um, again, we were married young, and so we, we have to take that into account. Um, she, I'm, she was not upset, but I would, could tell she didn't want me just to sit and watch football every Sunday afternoon. And so because I'm like, well, do I really, do I really care this much about football? Is it that important, or is she more important, right? And so, you, you know, it's only been, and then I found out I really don't care if I watch football the whole, It's easy to fall asleep too, um, but but again, I mean, the the whole thing is is that's part of marriage, and she's given up a lot, you, you know, m- way more for me than I than I have for her. But again, there's, uh, I mean, you had kids, and you gave up your life completely because of kids. <laughs> so, uh, and so I think that again, we look at this picture that God has given as an example to the world of His relationship to His church. And so we we as as smart people step back and go, no wonder. No wonder there is such attack on marriage because marriage is a great picture of Christ and the church. And so if if the enemy can make, you know, like they talk about the divorce rates in church being just as high as outside. Well, some of my challenge with that statistic is a lot of times people... Were divorced before they started going to a church and that divorce sometimes was the reason they came to church um, and so I, I think that statistic is is not as valid as it should be but the reality is we have a lot of brokenness in the world and so we want to make sure that we understand that there's a reason why there's an attack so why should we then pray for one another and the marriages in our church
4: In, in here. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and not putting anything on you guys or anything, but it's like, you know, we'll take with it. Butch and I, the reality, I know what marriage is is like, and so I know there are challenges that, you know, we don't sit there and come to church and tell everybody. But there are those little butting of heads and those little minor riffs that by praying for you and Laura as an example um, the Holy Spirit and, and God can the phrase I like to use, remove the scales from your guys' eyes so you can see more clearly what, what God wants. Yeah. And you don't have people praying for you in your marriage, then it's you on a boat, and you're out in the middle of nowhere. And we we know, we talked about it just a little while ago, about how when you get into a vacuum, <clears throat> and without people praying for you, without you praying for your marriage, um, things get skewed. Mm-hmm. And then um, someone can just kind of put their foot down. And, it's my right. I deserve this on that other person. <laughs> Whereas by continually asking the Holy Spirit to look in on other people's marriages in your own, um, it's kind of... I don't want to say a referee, but it's that silent protector in your marriage.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think uh, the reality is marriage is under attack. And we should pray for one another. Uh, because I've known people who I never thought would be divorced and then I find out they're divorced. And it just you just go... And you can look back and go, oh, well, I saw them not in fellowship like they used to be, or they got distracted with this and, and kind of withdrew. And so, okay, you can kind of see all these things, but then you sit there and go, but how much did I pray for them? Just, or, or did I not pray for them? Cause I thought they were fine. Right. You know, and I think that don't assume that just because everyone looks great on Sundays, uh, or when you do see them, that there's not challenges in their marriages, um, because the enemy wants to destroy the foundation of not only the family but also the, the picture of Christ in his church Connie
1: are we as a church we don't condemn when people just live together we, we're, we accept it so you know is there a time and place that maybe as a church body we should say, marriage is a
0: sacrament, and that... Well, I mean, the Catholic Church holds marriage as a sacrament. Um, So I don't know if we we accept that people um, don't live as perfect people. So I I don't know, if, if I knew of a couple, if I knew that they were just living together, I'd probably have a conversation and say, why aren't you guys married? You know, let, let's get married. Um, because the, the reality is, is that there are blessings that God has for that relationship that can't happen outside of marriage. And so the, the, the idea is, don't you want <laughs> what God has for you and the blessing that God has for you? Um, so I would, I never um, would ever say it's okay just to live together. Do I receive people and accept people in the church who are in that situation? Well, absolutely. I mean, we, we all come with stuff, just so you know. Um, we're not all perfect here, Connie, I know. I don't want to burst your bubble. But, no. <laughs> but we all have stuff that we're dealing with. Um, it's just so. like our whole society now. It used to be when, you know, her, when yeah. I was younger, I mean,
1: it would, it would be absolutely impossible to live together with Absolutely. Absolutely having a baby out of wedlock would be absolutely impossible. But our society, we keep being more and more oh, it's okay. We don't want to you know, hurt anybody's
0: feelings. Yeah, and the challenge is how do you as a church stand for righteousness and what God says and his standard and still love people in their brokenness and in their sin, right? Because that's that's the balance. So there are churches that would condemn people and tell them you can't come to church if you had a baby out of wedlock or you can't if you guys are living together you can't you can't come to church um, you, you know I, I that that is wrong <laughs> they need to be at church I'm like that's where they need to be they need to hear God they need to hear the, the love of the family of God so Steve
2: amen. I was going to say one of the things I, I noticed in, uh, on the conversation over there in the church that's why it's some point in the koinia of, of relationship uh, speaking to someone's life over there there's churches that would condemn, but there's also churches that would receive it with no problem. So basically, it's once again God's standard, and here we are mm-hmm. making excuses again of how, why, why we could do it. But I've noticed that when you're in a relationship with someone, and they trust you, as you, Connie, someone someone walking alongside of you, um, uh, that you're in a relationship, you can speak into their life, and you can do this surgery saying, hey... Um, because you know they're 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 not exempt from having uh, marital problems too. If they're living together, there's going to be uh, uh, intramural communication and problems <laughs> that are going to be. Never heard intermural outside of sports, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, Marriage is be... sport. Yeah. Go ahead, <laughs> Harold. I mean, this is where Christian denominations come into play too, yeah. because mm. some denominations have gone with the flow, yeah. and have changed their teachings, their practices, as society has changed. So it depends on which denomination sure. you're attaching yourself to. Yep. Um, we, we are sinners, we accept sinners, there are sinners among us who we worship with. But I mean, some denominations don't even view it all hardly as sin anymore.
0: Right that's the challenge it's late.
5: Um, so I guess somewhat bringing it back to your initial question, tying all of this together is that um, <coughs> why we should pray for one another in marriages is <coughs> uh, as Paul says in Ephesians 4 a little earlier uh, we're all a part of the body of Christ um, members of it mm-hmm. um, and then he, then he says that, you know, we're supposed to speak the truth uh, in love to our neighbors, uh, building those members up. Um, and so I think praying for one another and for the marriages uh, is a prayer for a stronger church body, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, a stronger body in Christ. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. Mark 10, 13 through 16. Somebody read that, please.
2: Children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them.
0: So, how does Jesus desire us to treat children? This is an easy question. I hope.
2: <laughs>
1: Say that again.
0: How does Jesus desire us to treat children?
1: Love them. Okay. Give your best. And give your best
0: yeah. to your child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Just a chapter ago, that the disciples were bringing this subject up again. Again, <laughs> they're were, they were a little slow. <laughs>
0: I love the disciples because I don't feel so bad sometimes. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, of course, they didn't have the Holy Spirit, so maybe I should feel bad. But anyway, uh, at least at that point in time. So let's, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, listen to uh, verses 1 through 8. <clears throat> well, with um, faith. Okay. So if you look at this list, those were never things that you would look at a child and think of. Secretary immoral, of an idolater, <clears throat> uh, 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 coarse joking. Uh, you know, backbiting one another. I mean, you might see some arguing with children, but you don't see this intention of, I'm going to put somebody else down in in a humorous manner to make myself look better. That's that crude joke in there is to really put it, you don't, you don't think of children being sexually. Yeah, well, you don't think of children being sexually immoral, right? Um, you think they're pure they're innocent in fact some of the challenges we have when we find out children's have had their innocence robbed from them we get really frustrated and upset because it's wrong they should not I mean I don't get on soapbox but but kids are being exposed to stuff they should never be exposed to Um, and again that's the breakdown of the family and that's allowing it and all these other things that we can keep tracing back Uh, but again when we look at it, how what's the key in, in Ephesians 5 to walking continually like children?
4: Keep your eyes on
0: Jesus. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do not be corrupt, not
4: for, and now you are the light in the Lord walk as children of the light. Yep.
5: It was interesting
2: whether it says you once one time walked in darkness, but now you're walking in light. I mean, basically, and that. Uh, speaking of a, a conversion. I'm hoping...
0: Well, it, it, it even is deeper than that. You once were darkness. Right. Now you're light in the Lord. So I think it's a change to what you're going at. It's a change of identity. I am a child of God. Therefore, I walk as a child of God. I imitate God. I, I continually walk in the light. And so I don't need, I don't entertain those things of the flesh. First uh, 1 Corinthians 14.20 says this, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. So how does this help us understand how to be children in God's eyes?
2: Well, it's the innocence thing, but I mean it's not, children aren't purely innocent, but they're relatively innocent, I Mm -hmm. guess you might say.
0: Yeah. Will be infants and evil. When you look at a, an infant, they don't have the ability really to be evil or to entertain evilness. Because they just don't have the ability to. Um, I mean, obviously we know the sin nature's in there. And it comes out as they get to about you know, a year and a half for sure, if not sooner. But, but the idea is, is that you look at a baby... Uh, you know, a one month old or so, and you're like, this this baby is is as innocent as someone who's born in, into sin can be, right? I mean, they're they're not thinking evil, they're not entertaining evil. <laughs> well, fair <enough. laughs> Well, they're thinking, I'm uncomfortable and I'm hungry, so
2: that's uh, teenage. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true too. So, uh, and so I think that 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 be innocent to evil, and I think as children, it's like of God. That does think, okay, but we, but we think maturely. So I think it's one of those things that we can go, wait a second, this is evil. <laughs> so I need to not go there. I need to not entertain this. I need to not allow my flesh to, to go down here. And we can't do that again without the help of the Holy Spirit. And so if you were to take all these things that Paul says to do and to be and remove the Holy Spirit, we would be very, very condemned and very uh, just overwhelmed so but yet we the spirit is this a...
6: all in together as to we're all children of god uh, he god embraces us and blesses us and and gives us his light right in in christ those and, who are his yes right in christ gives us his light so that we would be light And so how important we're to see that of one another, Mm -hmm. and when we're seeing that of one another, we're going to be intentional about our care and our love for each other.
4: Mm -hmm.
6: And we are going to build each other up, not tear each other down. We are going to support one another in the things that are holy and right and true.
0: Right, when we, as Gene said, when we keep our eyes on Jesus. (laughs) The problem is, that's the battle, right? I mean, we are in a battle between the flesh and the spirit, and the the flesh wants to distract you from looking at Jesus. The flesh wants to distract you from trusting in God. The flesh wants to tell you you're not in the light, and that God doesn't care, and it doesn't matter. And instead of going, wait a second, I have the opportunity to do things that have eternal value, Um, and it's hard, and I can't do it alone, but with the help of God... We can, and we get to, and it's a beautiful thing. So we finished it. I didn't know if we were going to.
4: summertime, Labor Day. I mean, you got a little bitty hamburger bun with a little bitty hamburger <laughs> patty, um, tomatoes and lettuce and then um, mayonnaise and mustard, and some chips and maybe some beans. And that was your Labor Day feast, yeah. so to speak. But now you fast forward, and it's like oh my goodness, the things are going the food
0: is like adding bacon and all these fancy sauces and a big bun and
2: a bit. Goes, so you Isn't have it great?
4: yes. No, you're right. Yeah, no, absolutely. In the <laughs> increasing oh yeah. Intake, yeah.
0: something or other big things eight hundred calories. There's a three thousand calorie one at Carl's Jr. Thank you. Just (laughs) it's the same thing with
4: Carlisle. The world and or the devil. Whoever you want to say, you know, they they paint these things with a very alluring brush. And we don't necessarily know consequences because it looks
0: pretty, pretty yeah nice. I don't know I think when it comes to fast food we know the consequences <laughs> we just don't care but it's a good segue because we're talking about self-control today yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs>